Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. With me again today is Lauren Medallion from Monday's episode. Uh, we were talking about rugby and her mindfulness that she used through rugby and powerlifting. And she is back with us today to talk more about rugby and the health and fitness side of things that you might not always see when you're watching athletes compete on the field. So Lauren, welcome back to the show. Hello, thank you again. Yeah, of course, anytime. Uh, Happy to have you here. So obviously when it comes to rugby, it's a very impressive sport to watch. Um, There's a lot of strength, balance, coordination, endurance that goes into it. But I'd say that there's a lot of mental grit as well, because it's essentially been compared to football without the football pads, uh, for lack of a better (laughs) term. Uh, So for those who haven't really watched much rugby before or aren't really familiar with the sport, could you kind of just give us a rundown of what rugby is and how it's played and all that sort of thing? Yeah. So if somebody comes up to me and asks me, oh, I never heard of rugby. Um, the first thing I say is like what you said, it's basically football without the pads <laughs> and you could only pass the ball behind you or lateral. So like right next to you. So um, the object of the game is just like in football, you need to reach like the end zone. And um, instead of uh, like running over it or putting the ball over it into football, you actually need to tap the ball down into the end zone. And then once you score, you score a try, and then you kick a conversion, just like in football. So um, a, lot of, a lot of parts of rugby is, this, is very similar to football, but um, there's always like small little rules here and there that uh, gets a little confusing sometimes. so how big is this field you're playing on is it about the same as a football field yeah it's around like 120 yards we're actually lucky enough in Westchester we have like one of the best uh, rugby pitches on the east coast so we're very fortunate to have uh, an amazing beautiful rugby field well I'd say you deserve it since you won national (laughs) champions after all right (laughs) Um, right. so with that too are there like a certain amount of girls on the field at a time and are there like different positions or is everyone just kind of out there simultaneously so there's two different seasons so there's 15s and sevens so for 15s it's 15 girls v 15 girls then Mm -hmm. in sevens it's seven girls versus seven girls so in 15s it's a 80 minute match and um so there's two quarters 40 minutes 40 minutes and then the half time and then in sevens it's only a 14 minute game so there's seven minutes and then half time and then seven minutes so both 15s and sevens we both play on the same size pitch so you can imagine how sevens is a lot more um, <laughs> cardio taxing than 15s um, positions wise there's the forwards and then there's the backs the forwards are usually the bigger players they usually do all the hard nitty-gritty work and then us backs are the smaller girls who make it all look nice and all pretty, but even though it's all the forwards, the forwards did it all, but we just make it look nice and score. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy how you can play on such a large field with such few people at times, seven yeah. people. Um, like you said, that's a lot of running back and forth. And yeah. um, I played soccer many years ago uh, when I was more of a cardio bunny, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and, you know, playing on a soccer field, which is, 20, 30 yards smaller with 11 people running up and down, back and forth. That was hard enough. I can't imagine, (laughs) you know, three, four less people 
on a slightly larger field, um, even though it's only 14 minutes, that's those 14 minutes probably drag by, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Some days we're in practice or in games, like, why do we sign up for this? This is so terrible. But it's, it's a lot of fun because there's so much more room to do like cool plays. Like you could, you could kick the ball in rugby. So if you're running, you could kick the ball forward. You just can't pass the ball forward. So if you kick the ball forward, you're allowed to chase your own ball and pick it up and score. So that's that's one of my favorite moves that I like to do. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so what got you into the sport of rugby? So actually, my brother, Nick Medallion, um, we're from Morris County in New Jersey. And there's a club team called Morris, which is pretty known uh, within the country. And my brother did it for, I think, like six years. And then I quit soccer one day and was just like, I think I kind of really want to try this rugby thing. I feel like I'd be good. And I picked it up and my coaches were like, yeah, you're pretty good. So I kind of <laughs> stuck with it and here we are now. So what impact has rugby had overall on your life so far? Oh my gosh. It is crazy how much rugby has changed me. Like my, I think every single one of my friends now are from rugby. I've met some amazing coaches through high school who got me to where I am today. Um, The collegiate level, my coach Tony at Westchester, he's opened so many crazy, amazing opportunities for me. I was actually able to play for the collegiate All-American team last February in Atlanta, Georgia. So I've been able to try out for the national level. All my um, teammates here, we have like seven roommates. We're all from the rugby team. It's just an amazing place to make uh, forever friendships. It's amazing. And just the opportunity to compete at such a high level. Um, I mean, I think that really says a lot about your own work ethic and commitment to the sport, because clearly you don't get to that level just overnight. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, so with that, you know, obviously, as we've kind of alluded to, there's a lot of training and time commitment that goes into this. So what is the typical training routine for rugby looking like, whether it's in the weight room, on the field, that sort of thing? So usually we'd have uh, practices four days a week and then games on Saturdays. And then we'd have two morning lift sessions. So that's when we do, uh, we work with a strength and conditioning coach in the mornings and we do more strength based. And then during practice time, we always allude some type of time to conditioning because we're known as the second half team because our fitness is just unlike any other of the other teams so it's very important to have that cardio because when you're playing an 80 80 plus minute game um you you're going to want to play your hardest at the um 79th minute of the game because you never know how that game's going to go but um i say at least so like let's say if we have three hours of practice I say maybe 20, 25 minutes, 40 minutes goes to conditioning and the rest is all like fundamentals. So passing, um, plays, tackling. Now, obviously that is a lot of time invested in training. So how do you recover from all the physical demands of the sport (laughs) of rugby? So um, I guess recovery wise, it's up to the individual. So we all need to make sure that we're eating right, we're drinking enough water, we're getting plenty amount of rest because we're putting our bodies into so much, you know, physical contact, um, all that running, all that lifting. So 
Uh, Rest-wise, we use uh, Sundays as a very big rest day. It's, we always say that we were hit. We, we feel like we've been hit by a semi-truck because, oh my gosh, every single part of your body aches. But um, yeah, so that's what we do for like rest. That's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's good to prioritize that recovery. Um, now, I'm kind of curious, do you know of anyone on your team who follows like any kind of certain diets or strict diets? Like, are there vegans that are excelling at rugby <laughs> or carnivores that, you know, tear up the rugby field or? Um, actually, not, not very specifically. I know there's my friend Bela. She's a, what is it, gluten-free and she's pretty crazy on the field, but I mean, that's just health purposes. She can't eat gluten, but no, most of the, most of the people are just have like a normal, normal diet, nothing crazy, you know? Yep. That, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I just think back to the game changers movie and oh, how yeah. apparently we all need to follow a plant-based diet if we want <laughs> to achieve our peak physical performance. And, um, well, uh, for lack of a better term, I have some very strong opinions on <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, when it comes to your training for rugby, are there any specific kind of exercises or movements that you kind of prioritize when you're in the gym for rugby specifically? Is everyone doing squats or hang cleans only or... So um, when we are in the gym together with our strength and conditioning coach, he writes up little programs for us and it's mainly power movements. So uh, front squats, we do a lot of hang cleans. We do a lot of like ball slams. So a lot of it is um, power based, not as much as like who could do the heaviest deadlift, who could do the heaviest bench, because in a rugby game, it's very like you sprint for 20 yards and then you're, you know, trying to catch up and you sprint here, you do like a little juke here. So, yeah. Right. So um, when it comes to these kind of field sports, it's almost like um, you'll have to excuse my uh, language here, but there's slow strength, as I like to call it, which mm -hmm. is more of like, you know, your powerlifting, that sort of thing. And then there's the knock them on their ass kind of strength <laughs> where the hang cleans and that sort of thing come into play, like you said is you know there's people who can lift four or five hundred pounds but they can't do it quick and explosively and i think a lot of people too you know they think about going to the gym and they think about muscle groups like okay i need to work my quads today i need to work you know my back today with the exercises you just described the hang cleans the front squats that sort of thing you don't worry about that because it just works absolutely everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so I think that has a lot of carryover to, you know, rugby as a sport, because it's not like you can just kind of play rugby with your legs. You kind of have to use everything at the same time. Exactly. So really cool stuff there. Um, with that, now I know you also power lift quite a bit. So how can you, how do you balance the power lifting training demands and the rugby training demands, uh, especially when you're in season? Yeah, right now I'm trying to learn how to do that <laughs> because I've been kind of peaking with powerlifting and it's getting me very excited. Like my numbers have been going up, um, hitting some PRs, but now that rugby's starting, I can definitely see that my lifts are taking a toll. So I think during rugby season, I kind of need to put powerlifting on the back burner and not get so upset with myself when I can't hit like my heaviest squat or my heaviest deadlift. So during rugby season so like right now I'll be more focusing on like my sprints and training because everything like as a back I'm very you know very shifty and I need to focus on my short 
uh, my short distance sprints rather than how much I could squat because at the end of the day on the rugby field, that doesn't matter. Right. I think that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, with that too, I'm sure like plyometrics kind of come into um, play, so to speak, because as you said, height was not your best uh, feature (laughs) when it comes to rugby, especially when you're playing against taller girls. So I'm sure you have to be able to get up pretty high to uh, kind of compete with that. Yes, exactly. So cool. Um, So kind of with rugby too, it's, as you said, a team environment. What's that dynamic been like, um, not just in college, but across uh, from when you got started with rugby? Um, Has it been stressful at times or? The team dynamic with rugby is one that I've never experienced before. I played soccer very competitively before rugby. I've done all bunch of sports, but I feel like not to, not to like put soccer down, but I feel like in soccer, it's very, um, it's like you're very competitive with the person next to you to the point where it's not very like respectful. But with rugby, me and my friend Autumn, she's, she's the leading scorer and I'm the second leading scorer. And I love her to death. We're like basically best friends, but I don't hate her for it. You know, like I look up to her. I'm like, oh, I, she's, my, she's my competition. I need to work better for her. So we work better together in order to be a team, you know, in order to become a better team. And the team camaraderie is crazy. I think that's why we won the national championship in 2019, because we were such a strong team. We were so close. We trusted one another like we were family. So, yeah. Right. I, uh, I really love that. And I think that speaks a lot to the importance of teamwork in order to be successful. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about the professional teams, how, you know, they have this one really good player and they expect to win the whole championship, but, you know, the team might not click and they might not have the right dynamic around that player and things don't always go as they planned. And I think that's why we see um, for those that follow professional sports, so many trades and, uh, transfers and that sort of thing that are kind of crazy. You know, these people that are signing hundred million dollar contracts are getting traded within a couple seasons because they're missing that team environment and team atmosphere and they don't like where they're at, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like too how you, um, you're, you're kind of going at soccer a little bit because um, again, I played soccer. I don't think I played as high up of a level as you did, but I always kind of look back and compare it to what I call a pretty boy sport. You know, Mm -hmm. the people who are playing soccer tend to not like, and this is a stereotype for those listening. So you might be an exception to this. And uh, Bridget Ben a few weeks ago was a exception to this. So again, shout out to her. Um, But a lot of the uh, people I came into contact with were there because they wanted the cool uniforms and jerseys. It was kind of like a fashion statement to have all the soccer gear at school. Um, They wanted to do it because their parents were kind of pushing them into it. You know, the parents expected them to. And um, at the time there was a decent amount of division one scholarships for soccer, which um, was kind of impressive for America because, you know, we're not, big on soccer, near as big as we are in football and other sports. Uh, So they were after it for the money. And there wasn't a whole lot of people, in my experience anyways, who played because they loved the game or they loved the team or that sort of thing. 
and it sounds like you have pretty similar experiences. Yeah, with rugby, there's basically no money in it, even at the national level. Like they have to pay for a lot of their plane tickets or their hotel rooms. So a lot of us here aren't on, or no one here is on a full ride scholarship. We're here because we genuinely love the sport. We genu genuinely love to play with the people next to us. So I think that's what leads us to such a successful season all these years. You kind of brought up an interesting disparity there, saying that even professional rugby players have to shell out quite a bit out of pocket just to make it happen. And meanwhile, there's many other sports that, like we've said, are getting full tuition scholarships or full ride scholarships or, you know, now the NCAA, from my understanding anyways, is allowing players to profit off of their name. Um, so I'm sure some people are making some very significant amounts of money from playing a sport in college. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm actually enjoying my time here. Like I could look back on this in 30 years and saying this was like one of the best times of my life. And I know some of those people who are on full ride scholarships are not genuinely enjoying the experience. So at the end of the day, they may or I may be in a little more debt than them, but at least I'm actually enjoying the couple of, the couple of years I have at college and playing um, rugby. Exactly. And I'm sure that kind of goes into the mindset like we were talking about on the Monday episode with, you know, you're actually enjoying everything that you're doing and it's not just like another chore, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so with that too, uh, back to more of a training standpoint, uh, you'll have to apologize because I tend to go on, or I'll have to apologize. I tend to go on these little side tangents sometimes. Um, but I've worked with a lot of personal training, physical training kind of clients, and obviously none of them have played rugby before, but a lot of their goals relate to rugby. So they want to run faster. They want to become physically stronger, physically tougher. They want to cultivate their mindset and kind of combine the physical and mental aspect of things. Uh, they want to increase power and explosiveness and, you know, all of these different goals that people have, rugby as a sport kind of captures all of them in, you know, one activity here. Uh, so for, uh, I guess, some of my clients and maybe a little bit for myself, um, what can you kind of teach us about those sort of things? Um, how can ordinary, average, everyday people uh, kind of increase our physical uh, strength and physical physicality, for lack of a better term, to more of that of someone who is literally an MVP of a national mm -hmm. champion uh, rugby team? I think in terms of that, um, I think it comes down to uh, prior, prior, prioritization. So you listed a lot of, like you said, strength, you said mobility, you said balance, all that stuff. And that's many different aspects to, um, to become proficient in. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm no personal trainer. I don't have any certs of any sort. So I'm just kind of just going on a wing here. But I think you need to choose one area that you really, um, that you're really passionate about and see how proficient you could get in there. So like right now, I really love the strength aspect of it. So I'm going as hard as I can in the strength. But I don't think I would be good as good in the strength aspect if I wanted to, let's say, run the fastest 2K that I can, you know. So I prioritize strength right now, and I can definitely see that helping me on the rugby field, um, at least like with my sprints. I thought, honestly, I thought, I thought it was funny. So we started sprinting, um, I guess, like two days ago, 
and I literally have not ran in nine months and I think I could say some of it is genetic but not really I think from all the squats and all of my deadlifts and all my like very powerful movements have helped my short distance sprints tremendously so if any rugby players are listening definitely start going into the gym hitting some heavy squats don't be afraid because you'll your game I guess in any sport let's say soccer let's say rugby any any field sport will um just flourish right having that um, strength piece first improved your endurance improved your power output and just made the whole game easier yeah. um, and I'm very glad you brought that up because that's been a theme of books that I've been reading for the past several months um, one of the ones that jumps out to me was uh, Dan John wrote a book called easy strength with Pavel and uh, for those that know either of those names uh, Dan John is very well respected in the world of strength and conditioning for sports athletes. And Pavel is this crazy Russian Soviet era <laughs> guy who brought kettlebells to America. So we all hate him for that because, you know, death by kettlebell challenges absolutely suck. Um, but they talked about a lot of the things that you just shared is ultimately everything comes back to strength. Are you strong enough to compete and play at a high level? And if you're not, you need to get strong and you need to get strong fast because you're looking at lower rates of injury, uh, improved endurance, ability to run faster, jump higher, and the list of things goes on and on and on. Um, so I really like that you brought that up because that's just a huge overlap to things that I've been spending a lot of time on lately. It's so true. Um, my first year playing rugby, um, my, I it was, I guess, 2018. I was not into powerlifting at all. I just maybe did like some very low key CrossFit sessions and I could just feel myself like so frail on the field and getting like small injuries here and there that kind of just like um, added up and it was kind of just very annoying, like just lingering in injuries. And then once I started heavy lifting, I remember my parents saying like, oh my gosh, you're going to get hurt. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't lift that much. You're going to get hurt. But now that I, I am able to lift this much, knock on wood, but my injuries have been so minimal and I've been feeling so much more stronger, so much more powerful, so much faster on the field than ever before. And I, I need to give all the, all the credit to my strength training for all those reasons. Definitely. And um, you said your boyfriend's been kind of the main influence in your workouts and stuff. Um, we don't want to steal all your secrets, but what have your workouts <laughs> look like in general? Okay. Well, shout out to Brendan Todd at Tank Strength. He's, uh, he has a bunch of certs and he, he has amazing totals. So you guys should definitely look at his um, Instagram. But uh, let's see some of his secrets that he uses. Um, well, what we use is uh, an RPE scale. I don't know how some people, mm -hmm. some people do percentages RPEs. So um, what we'll do is like, I guess like five, eight weeks on of like at first, our first couple weeks within the program will be very high volume. And then as we get towards like the eight week, it will be lower, lower, lower until we max. And that will just slowly build up your strength rather than just like, let's say, oh, I'm going to go to gym, max my bench every single day. No, you'll just hit a plateau and you'll never become stronger. So you need to learn the balance of uh, volume with uh, lower volume in order to reach your strength goals. 
I like so many things about what you just said. Um, <laughs> so I know that so many people, when they're looking for fitness plans and workout plans, they kind of get lost in the sea of them because, you know, you search powerlifting plans and, you know, the first one that might come up is like Jim Wedner's 531, which is an amazing program, highly recommend. Um, but there's so many programs out there. Everyone's written a program, it seems. Um, and people just kind of get lost in it and they'll do two weeks here, two weeks there, two weeks there. And they kind of flip back and forth so much that they don't see results. And, you know, what you just said is you have to be consistent over time, mm -hmm. but it's not just consistency, it's quality and consistency. Because before you even get to the point where you're doing your three or five rep max, you probably have to do sets of 10, 15, 20 reps with clean form, maybe even some pauses in there. and I'm sure that level of volume absolutely sucks. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's terrible. Term. It's so bad. But d while you're doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. But and then in a couple of weeks, I'm like, wow, all those terrible days I had in the gym where I wanted to give up were definitely worth it because I was I, able to add, let's say, like five, 10 pounds onto my squat at the end of the day. So you kind of, you need to take it with a grain of salt, put on your big girl pants and just get it through. <laughs> um, yeah. That, uh, wow. <laughs> um, I did a German volume cycle one time, which those listening probably know it's the 10 by 10 approach. So 10 sets, 10 reps of everything. And I was, I was not here for it. Um, <laughs> I've been guilty of living in the three to five, three to six rep range lately. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really need to break out of that. Um, but I also like how you brought up the RPE scale, because for those that don't know, there's a zero to 10 scale, which you rate how difficult that activity is, or there's a six to 20 scale where you rate how hard that activity is on a scale of six to 20. And what's interesting is that six to 20 scale actually correlates with your heart rate roughly. So if you're going to report your um, exertion at a 12 out of 20, then odds are your heart rate is somewhere around 120%, which it's kind of cool that you know, your mind picking a number can somehow relate back to what your heart rate is at that time. Um, so I really like that approach because it's all relative. There's going to be days when you're not recovered and, you know, your 70% rep max is going to feel like 110%. And, you know, you're probably at a nine or a 10 or a 19 or a 20 on days like that. And there's other days where, you know, if you're using 90% of your one rep max, you could probably, you're probably feeling really good, <clears throat> well-rested, um, well-nourished, that sort of thing. And you're probably repping it out for six, seven, eight reps. And that might be a seven or eight or a 16, 17, 18 for you instead of those higher numbers. So I really like um, using that. And uh, I'm kind of guilty myself of using something similar. We use reps in reserve. So we say you're going to do 10 reps, but we want you to use a weight that you would have 12 reps in the tank or 12 reps total for. So kind of two reps in reserve. That's cool. Um, yeah, no. So I haven't heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, always looking for new things, but I really like that RPE approach. And that's something you hear about a lot in endurance training, but you don't really hear about it in strength training. Um, so I really like that you kind of bring that up because that's a cool point. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> of course. Um, so with that, 
Um, is there anything else that you want to kind of share with everyone listening about rugby, about powerlifting and that sort of thing? Um, let's say first powerlifting, um, no matter your size or your um, gender, I know a lot of powerlifting girls, they get like kind of like um, looked down upon because what girl wants to look like built and like crazy. But if you look up Steffi Cohen, she's literally my <laughs> idol. She is 5'2", 125 pounds, was able to squat 495 pounds. Like just thinking that is insane. And it's just crazy that a human body at that size could squat that much weight. And if you're thinking, or if you're finding yourself kind of struggling mentally, I 100% believe that if you start um, individual training, so like strength training, that your um, mentality and your confidence will just go skyrocket because you're, you, we don't know how capable our bodies are until we actually push them to the limits. And it's crazy. I would never think that um, a couple years or like, let's say two years ago, I would never think that I would be able to squat 260 pounds or bench 165 pounds. But within a year, I was able to gain so much strength and it just like boosts my confidence so much. So I think anybody out there listening, definitely try powerlifting because it will literally change your life. I love that. And uh, I love how you brought up Steffi Cohen as your idol because uh, she is very impressive. 25 time world record holder. Mm -hmm. um, she deadlifted what 4.4 times her body yeah. weight or something crazy. Yeah. Um, and we really like her because she is a doctor of physical therapy. Mm -hmm. As many people know, I'm a physical therapy <laughs> major. Um, so just cool little boost to the profession. Um, but no, I really love all the points that you made and I really love just learning more about rugby in general, because like I said, this is not, you know, a mainstream sport, so to speak, that you see on ESPN every day, but it is a very amazing sport. It's probably more demanding than a lot of the sports you see on TV and it's incredible just your own journey and the level that you have pushed yourself to and ultimately you know, the only limit that exists is the one you set on yourself and you continue to push forward and move past any kind of limits that anyone could ever think of. So uh, really excited to see where you continue to go and where you continue to take this sport uh, once you're back competing. Uh, shout out again to our good friend COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, geez. <laughs> um, but with that, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. So if you are listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Big shout out to Lauren. All of her information is below. So you can find her on Instagram, give her a follow, that sort of thing. Lauren, thank you so much again for spending uh, almost an hour of time recording these two episodes with me because most people who spend an hour with me are ready to rip their hair out afterwards because I talk too much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No, this is awesome. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.